0: this week's edition of the sword and staff i'm one of your hosts josh robinson and joining me today as always is my co-host sketchy richie <laughs> i'm on today <laughs> <laughs> And on today's edition of the Sword and Staff, I don't. Is this a is this a bonus edition or? I don't that, know
1: what this is. This is.
0: I don't know. Every time that we're, we're getting in in the studio now, we're just trying to crank out as many episodes as we possibly can. So some of them get released on Patreon as bonus editions. Some of them get released just as doubles. You know, sometimes we double up and. So I'm not even sure what this is. I don't know if this is a Patreon exclusive or a bonus edition. I'm guessing it's a bonus edition. So welcome to this bonus welcome edition. Welcome to it, whatever welcome, it is. Welcome to it, whatever it is. Uh, we hope you guys are well. And so, uh, But on today's bonus edition of the Sword and Staff, we're going to be diving into a topic that uh, I haven't thought very deeply about until this past week when Richie brought it up to me. And that is the topic of... And correct me if I'm saying this wrong, but lycanthropy. That's right. Is that right? That's right. Okay. So Richie uh, brought it up to me this week, and he's like, hey, we should talk about lycanthropy. And I was like, uh, I'm like, is that like being like, like turning into a wolf? Because I, I know what the word lycan means. And right. so I just assumed, you know, did the, the connection there. He's like, yep. Anybody much. hears the word lichens, they think underworld, and that's exactly what things I, like that. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought of whenever I first. That was the first underworld movie I ever saw. I saw it in theaters whenever it came out, and so yeah, that's as soon as I heard it, I was like, okay, we're talking about werewolves. Werewolves, yep. yeah. So, um, so we're going to be talking about Lycanthropy today, and um, I, th- I I looked into it a little bit, and as I was looking into it, I kind of developed some thoughts about it, at least from. A theological perspective so i think that we're probably going to do our classic uh classic way of doing things richie where we talk about uh a situation or a story and, and you kind of examine it from your paranormal perspective and kind of where you came from and i'll talk about it theologically and kind of how i've made sense of it and it should be a should be a good conversation i think it's i okay. mean
1: honestly though it's 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 a topic that's not a stranger to the church no. strangely no enough. it's not
0: um you know, I, I went back through church history and uh, come across some, uh, you know, uh, some stuff out there where the church used to run into what they thought were dog-headed men. Yep. And um, I can't remember the exact word for that. I, I mentioned it to you uh, this Oh, yeah. When we was on the this phone, week, I can't. It's uh, a Yep. Or Cenocephali. Um, the, the church at one point talked about, you know, coming across dog-headed men. And they were called the Cenocephali. and Cenocephali just simply means dog-headed. But uh, in the ancient church, there's there's writings in the church father about coming across this race of people who were dog-headed. And uh, actually, if you go back and if you look at the icon of Saint Christopher, um, he was a dog-headed man. Yeah. <laughs> and the interesting thing about about Saint Christopher, now I think that there's a lot of uh, stuff going on here with with uh, Saint Christopher and why he's depicted as a dog-headed man and it's a lot of symbolism yeah uh with it but if you type in saint christopher icon you'll you'll bring it up but here's the interesting thing richie uh saint christopher was a canaanite okay and he was said to have been a nephilim so he's depicted in some icons as being very tall as a giant and um so just from that, you can definitely see where they get the mixture, sort of. Mixture, yep. that's that's right. Uh, another thing, too, uh, where they get the dog head part is whenever Jesus, Jesus later on in the Gospels is dealing with a Canaanite woman, and she uh, she's asking Jesus to please, you know, do some, you know, for healing. And um, and uh, Jesus is like, I know, you know, basically he's like, no. And... Uh, and then she's like, you know, even she, he said, I I can't give uh, to the dogs what's for the children of Israel. And then she says, uh, but Lord, even the dogs get the crumbs from the master's table. So she's Canaanite. She refers to herself as a dog. Saint Christopher's a Canaanite. He's a mixture, so he's a, depicted as a dog. So you can, and it's kind of the whole idea that we've talked about in the the past, right? The, the margins yeah. on the margins of outside of the center of things. That's where. Um, that's where the mixtures are at, right? That's where things you don't know. That's where the monsters live, and that's why in old cathedrals and churches you you had uh, gargoyles on on the, the churches because right? you were going back out from the center into the margins, and the mixtures, that's where the mixtures are at. So I think that that's some of what's going on with some of this stuff, but I don't think that that's exactly the same as lycanthropy even though there's some overlap um, but right. the church has definitely had some run-ins with this. So let's let's just kind of start from there and Richie, what exactly is lycanthropy?
1: Well, lycanthropy is sort of a psychological term these days okay. that deals with uh, the, this mental persona uh-huh. of a wolf and people who take on this sort of beastly persona. Like it's a way for them to take what the church, what the ancient people would describe as um, an invading spirit, a demonic spirit, an earth spirit of a wolf, and turn it into something that's psychological, that's like a mental disorder.
0: Okay, yeah. So basically it's a way to kind of psychologize uh, this thing that you're talking about. So, right. And so, all right, so what typically happens to an individual who has lycanthropy? Like, like what are some of the, the things that we see? And uh, maybe what are some of the the symptoms that we see with
1: somebody who is
0: suffering from that?
1: Um, I people, mean the na- name kind of says it, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean it's people that take on this uh, these fits of of, of aggression, of, of strength, of animalistic behaviors. Like they'll bite, they'll lash out at. That, and oftentimes, people that have these the this disorder, well, what they think is a disorder, mm-hmm. they have to be sedated, to be restrained, to be locked down Mm. and it comes in waves and these people have periods of lucidity where they don't even remember the episodes. So it's kind of like being thrown back and it's like they're not in the driver's seat. Yeah.
0: Well, that's really, really very much overlaps with possession. That's That's what I was about to say. Very, very similar to demon possession. So there's definitely a connection there. Okay. So today we're going to look at a particular case of this, right? And this comes from the Warren's case files. Absolutely. Which you're a huge fan. Um, and, So, Richie, tell us a little bit about this uh, the history
1: of this uh, story of lycanthropy that we're going to be looking at. Well, we're going to be talking about Bill Ramsey. They call him the South End Werewolf. Yep. Okay, and uh, it takes place in England. Mm -hmm. Um, He was born in Essex outside of South End. Mm -hmm. Um, His episodes that he describes sort of came on when he was nine years old. Right. He describes being... uh, in his backyard, in a garden, and he having to this, feel strange, yeah, you know, this strange feeling, this icy sort of presence come over him, and then that's when he first had his first fit. It he he causes a fit.
0: He talks about that there was a whenever he felt this, this cold, icy blast sweep over him. Yep. it says that the perspiration froze on his skin, and that there was a foul stench that came close to him that made him vomit.
1: Just that right there from a paranormal perspective. I mean, in all demonic cases, you have uh, what people describe as this smell of sort of sulfur or this rancid smell that that accompanies the demonic. Mm -hmm. So that right there is... Major overlap. Major overlap.
0: So he talks about after that, um, he only had two things on his mind, right? Running away uh, to a life on the ocean wave and wolves. Very weird, right? But... But uh, that's what he says come to mind, that he had this intrusive thought about about wolves. And so, yeah. And so uh, we see that, uh, you know, something else after that takes over him.
1: Um, he has... And even from a psychological perspective, most mm-hmm. of the people that sort of come down with this lycanthropy persona type thing, yeah, it's people with a history of an escapist history almost. They're... They have a, this fixation on transformation, on escape, escaping, whether that be biological norms. I mean, there's a case where, a paranormal case that I read about, where um, this guy, he was, mm-hmm. a tra- he was transgender, and he would dress up like a female, and his whole life was spent in this pursuit of transformation. And then his family, after he passed away, would experience it, they would see apparitions of him... In this white dress, or either him as a dog, hmm. so it was a. They described it as a werewolf, hmm. so that's this sort of symbol of transformation, of escape, of getting out of your circumstances. Is usually accompanied well, by you these could, things. Yeah,
0: you could see then why he uh, he has intrusive thoughts, not just of wolves, but of uh, you know escaping and running away and living a life on yeah. an, an ocean wave. He's somebody who's wanting to escape from where he's at somebody that's usually feels very restrained Trapped. and constricted Yeah, it's good all right and so we see that you know something eventually takes total control over him and he has intense and pure rage um, and you know this this leads to a lot of problems in his life and this goes right. on for a really really long time right,
1: right? and he so, has his first initial sort of encounter with this this invasive spirit or this urge mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it yeah and then it's sort of dies down and he gets older, he gets married, he has children and then it kicks back up again. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And so he kind of becomes known as the South, the South end werewolf. Yeah. Right. And so they talk about that, you know, whenever he would go through this, like the muscles and his neck would protrude and his lips would kind of roll back and he would snarl like a, like if if you've ever seen a dog who's looking at you growling and their lips kind of do that snarl
1: roll back thing, he would do this. I mean, and, it makes sense though if you think of it in a, a terms of mind over matter. I mean, in his mind or it, it, the way he's perceiving himself as this animalistic spirit, it makes sense that his body would mimic that.
0: Okay, and so um, so this goes on, right? He has he has all kinds of incidents. Like he he bites people. Throwing yep. uh, you know, throwing around police. He's throw, yeah, he's doctors. He's, he's been arrested. Uh, he goes. Uh, he, he's been. I think he's been in prison for a little bit. He's been institutionalized. I think he was uh, voluntarily
1: most of the time. Voluntarily, yeah, because he was afraid. Like, yep. if
0: he, there's videos out there of him and when he's he t- in
1: his periods of lucidity. He's very afraid and freaked out about what yeah. happened during the rages.
0: Yeah, he is like he's total, like totally not in control, and he couldn't control it, and it was terrifying to him. And like, and he talks about that he even got to the point to where he had considered suicide. Yep, because he just didn't want to he knew he was going to kill somebody and or or hurt somebody very very badly and he was very disturbed by it And there's nothing he could do about it so so um okay so that kind of you know there's a lot more details to the guy's story we we don't have time to walk through his entire life but richie what kind of happens then like after he's institutionalized and like that doesn't work and they put him on like medications and they tell him he's got a mental illness and that doesn't help any um and he's you know, he's in jail and like but you also uh have this aspect to where like
1: <clears throat> he's not purposely doing this like right. what happens after that i mean the story becomes a real like public spectacle i mean at mm. the point when he's discovered by the warrens his story is like national news people mm-hmm. that's how he gets his name the south end werewolf he comes to the attention of ed and lorraine warren and they sort of get in contact with him and tell him that uh that he's not mentally ill, mm-hmm. that his uh, affliction is not a medical condition, that he's diabolically, demonically possessed. Yeah. Okay. So the Warrens, and so you, you, there's a
0: video out there. I think you can find it on the paranorms.com um, backslash Bill-Ramsey. Uh, or just
1: go to YouTube and just type in mm-hmm. Bill Ramsey werewolf.
0: Yep. Um, yep. You can find it there. Um, and this was video was back from 1992. But, uh, like, they were talking about that they were afraid to take this case on because yep. they was afraid that it would hurt their credibility, right? And so, but they became convinced more and more that it
1: wasn't something right odd. When they took well, out this the sort of sensationalized, sensationalized idea of the, the wolf mm-hmm. and looked at the overlap with true demonic possession, mm-hmm. I mean, there was enough there to merit a case. Yeah. And so they took it on, right? And so... After that, um, they invite him to come to the U.S. Right. Right. The, the local magazine sponsors him. They pay for the right sis story, so he has money to travel to the Connecticut. Yeah. And he comes to basically Backyard of the Warrens and undergoes an exorcism by Bishop Robert McKenna. Okay. So he's exercised So he, he, he comes to the U.S., he meets the Warrens,
0: and he, he is undergoes an exorcism by a Roman Catholic bishop who we know, like, who, who's a real person. We have his name. He's done this before. Um, oh, yeah. Anybody with familiar with demonology knows who Robert McKinney is. Okay. And so what happens, Richie, after he's... Well, let's talk about the, posse, the the exorcism itself and some of the things that happened during the exorcism.
1: And then we'll talk about what happens afterwards. So there are pictures. Um, and Just see, given his history, I mean... It's during the some of the some of his fits in in England, he was literally throwing around police officers like he they described it like matchsticks. Yeah. I mean, it took uh, eight to ten police officers to subdue him there at last. So when he finally got to the United States and they were going to do the exorcism, they had six uh, guards mm-hmm. there with stun guns well, yeah, to protect the bishop. That's
0: what I was about to say to protect the bishop,
1: and it says uh
0: you know. Whenever uh, he, the exorcism began, Bill was not at all
1: impressed. Yeah, uh, the
0: service was being conducted in Latin, and half of, and you know, for half an hour, nothing. But happened. if
1: you look at these videos, though, he he talks about th- the idea of a werewolf, and people would tell him that he just thought it was craziness. Yeah,
0: and so so for about an hour and a half, nothing happened, and then all of a sudden, so. There's pictures of this. yeah, And then supposedly you say, you hear that there's There media.
1: is more than pictures. I know that a lot of media resources say that there's just still pictures that survive. Yeah, no. that's what they say. In, the, in the archives at the Warren Museum, there is video and audio evidence of this exorcism. Okay. But it says that, you know, about an
0: hour and a half in, Bill took on an entirely different appearance. His face contorted, both hands formed claws. Uh, McKenna commanded the demon to leave. The full force of the werewolf fury descended on McKenna one time. And then disappeared for good the whole event was recorded on film yep so he was exorcised and the the werewolf that uh you know the spirit that's on that's within him disappears for good right in this exorcism
1: and what happens afterwards and you have to look at it's a really compelling case for for exorcism and demonic possession because You have all of these—I mean, he's bounced around from institution to institution, from doctor to doctor, for all these other professionals looking for alternate explanations, and nobody can help him. And the Warrens are sort of this last-ditch effort. It's either the Warrens or this guy's going to end up committing suicide somewhere. Yeah. I mean, but then after the exorcism, he never again had any of the fits, any of the struggles with the wolf spirit, anything like that.
0: Never again dealt with it. Right. So— this is after the guy's been institutionalized, he's been on medication, he's been told he's had a mental illness, he's been you know, put in prison, and he undergoes an exorcism. Now, this is a guy surgery. that used to have
1: to be sedated and locked up for days at a time to come out of these fits, and to go from that to have the exorcism and then not even have a, a, a struggle with it anymore. It's fascinating. Pretty intense.
0: Yeah, very intense. So, all right, so that's the story, okay? That's the story of the South End Werewolf. Okay, so Richie, what do you think about this story? What do you think's going on with this guy? Do you think it's something mental? Do you think or do
1: you think it's something I think this the phenomena of lycanthropy I mean it's it's an un, it's something that's objective. I mean, you see it all throughout history mm-hmm. and you see both sides, faith and science, trying to explain it away. Right. And, of, of course, science is going to come at it as a mental condition or... Yeah, materialistically, you know, you know not
0: trying to, trying to give an explanation that doesn't involve the, the spiritual. Right.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, the church, I think, takes the position that they always have, that it's a, something that's a spiritual affliction, it's spiritual warfare, it's possession, it's things of that nature.
0: So me, looking at this case as somebody who is uh, looking at it, you know, grounded in theology, uh, I just think that it's probably a demon possession. I mean,
1: what's different between this guy and the guy that was possessed by demons that Jesus cast out? I yeah. mean, the sort, same sort of animalistic sort of rage and behaviors.
0: Yeah. That's It reminds me a lot of the guy that Jesus uh, cast the demons out who was hanging around the graveyard. Yep. You know, they had to, like, bind him because he was crazy and super strong. And then, you know, that's really what demon possession is. I mean, it yep. is. It's, I mean, you have to think about it.
1: It's, a, it's like the demonic flexing their muscles. It's a show yeah. of force, a show of strength.
0: Everything is, is a fractal of heaven and earth. So, you know, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. That's the structure of reality. You have uh, the place where God resides and the place where man resides, right? And everything in creation is a fractal of that structure, heaven and earth. Even our speech right language is a is a fractal of that right you've got right. physical marks but they have abstract meaning to them right and you know even the spiritual disciplines they're fractals of heaven and earth right so fasting you are with your body you are uh, foregoing food so that you can be filled with the presence of god from heaven right it's the same thing with prayer with your body you are communicating with Heaven, right? Yep. That's that's what the spiritual discipline. So everything has this heaven and earth structure. Demon possession. Whenever I looked at look at it through that lens of the fractal, what I see is it is earth um, overcoming heaven, right? Right, which makes sense of why they call these things like earth spirits. <clears throat>
1: yeah,
0: you know what I mean. Like they, that's what they refer to this as. Is which H2. is
1: the whole point of an invading demonic force, anyway. It's to show this sort of uh, domination over creation, over this person mm-hmm. that belongs to God. I mean, that's the whole point of it. And that's
0: really what possession is. I mean, obviously there's the spiritual aspect of it there, but um, it is the overcoming of, of uh, heaven by worldliness. Yeah. Right? It's a, a flex. It's a flex. And that's why you see the things that you see in demon possession, like animalistic j- uh, noises, right? Superhuman or strength. Superhuman strength. Yep. Or obscene gestures, worldly Fleshly, carnal
1: things, right? So it's it, to make a mockery of this person man. that's created in the image of God,
0: and and that's why there's this aversion towards the heavenly, because it is the earthly. Uh, yeah,
1: they can't assault God and His throne directly. It's trying so, to
0: do away with that fractal relationship. Yep, yep. It's trying to cast out or to tear apart the heavenly, uh, and it just be consumed with the earthly. Yep. And that's why the demons want to be casted into the to the swine and to the pigs as well. So anyway, um, but his story reminds me a lot of uh, King Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel, right? He goes mad for a while, he's worshiping demons, and he goes wild, and he becomes a madman, and he's an animal for like years, like down on all fours. Yeah, very, very similar. So I, I, I'm just I'm curious about this guy and how he ended up getting into this shape, like. I mean, it happened when he was a kid, so obviously it wasn't something he was intentionally doing. But, you know, here's one of the things that I know, and we've talked about this with some of the work we've done with weird West Virginia stuff. Um, this, the United, well, he wasn't in the United States, but the you, the United States, uh, there was a lot of Native Americans in this area that were doing these types of things. Like, right, right. There's a video out there um, with Dr. Judd Burtz and, and uh, Dr. Michael I mean, Heiser.
1: any culture, any primitive native culture to, the, to any part of the world yeah. had this sort of primal earth spirits like the wolf that that's they right. would purposely embody.
0: And purposely. Yeah, that's exactly where I was getting at. So um, I want to direct you guys to this video. If you uh, go to YouTube and uh, on. Doc- so Dr. Michael Heiser has a channel called Fringe Pop 321. And uh, he has a video, it's called Werewolves An Anthropological Exploration. And it's a conversation with him and Dr. Judd Burton. And basically, what they do is they talk about uh, lycanthropy and and werewolves from an anthropological perspective. And basically, they talk about that, you know, Native Americans used to embody these spirits. Like, it was, they used to purposely do it, but then they would also curse others so that they would become
1: like this. So I'm just curious if, like, I mean, you hear New Age people talk about spirit animals. I mean, yep. this is it.
0: Yeah. Or you hear people, like, it's not that out there. So there, you've got that example, but then you also say some, like, hear somebody say, like, you're slothful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you, you have a spirit of sloth. Like, yeah. We talk that way as modern, so it's not really that out there when you think about it. But um, I'm just curious if, like, this guy happened to be in a place where, like, obviously he wasn't doing this on purpose. Like it's not like he was out there seeking to embody a wolf spirit. At least it doesn't appear that that's true. Right. So I'm I'm just curious. Like, did this guy just happen upon a a location where somebody used to uh, be embodying this kind of stuff? I know that this is re- related to uh, you know things like totems and things like that. So I'm just I'm just highly
1: curious on how that. I mean, normally in cases like this with possession or any sort of occult ties, there's always going to be a catalyst. There's always going to be a a door opener, Mm -hmm. an event, a practice, something that leaves the door open for this stuff to pour in. I mean, the the demonic usually don't show up uninvited. There's always a cause, an Mm -hmm. invitation. With this case, it's really hard to tell what the catalyst for the activity was because uh, during his own descriptions... He said that it was an invasive force yeah. that just came over him one day. Yeah. I mean, but that's not so far out of, out of the realm. I mean, you see when people talk about Native Americans being possessed by the Wendigo spirit, mm-hmm. it's a primal spirit of the forest or creation that will takes over their body and they feel these uh, thoughts and feelings of rage and even cannibalism. So it's a wild spirit. So let me
0: ask you this. Do you think that the person actually becomes a wild animal?
1: Like, are they physically
0: transformed? Because some people, there are stories out there like in folklore of werewolves and beasts. So do you think that that's a part of it? Or do you think it's a psychological thing? Do you think that perhaps there's this demonic influence where it may appear
1: like the person is? I think, well, in, in the paranormal, in possession and hauntings, you have people who are under spiritual influence. It's documented that the, the, the afflicted can take on It's almost sort of a projection Uh so the spirit will project physical sort of traits over someone so the people can be looking at their family member and they won't see their family member there they'll see sort of a distorted image of the spiritual force that's Hmm. afflicting them so I mean in that sense it could be something like that or it could be the body sort of reacting and being worked by the invading presence so if it's a wolf spirit, the the body would be animalistic like they would show their teeth or snarl. The Warrens, or,
0: yeah, the Warrens talk about that. I mean, yeah. they talk about his lips kind of curling back and him snarling and the muscles in the back yeah. of his neck protruding and his ears even doing strange things.
1: So just sort of a a, a physical and outward manifestation of the inner turmoil. Reality. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that that's a probably a good way to understand it. and I think you see that in the Bible too with Nebuchadnezzar who is depicted um, is very animalistic right you know he's down on all fours he becomes this hairy wild looking animal type thing i mean so you know viewing it through a theological lens i don't i don't think that that's outside of the realm of what christianity would have to say about this so now that may sound strange to people but yeah hey the the world that you live in is stranger than you think
1: (laughs) so absolutely
0: all right, Richie. Well, hey, do you got anything else you want to say before we sign off? We're coming in at about 30 minutes on this episode, so...
1: I mean, the possession, spiritual possession, spiritual influence, spiritual warfare is something that the church has been literally dealing with since Jesus' feet touched the ground. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has been an ongoing thing, whether you want to call it uh, lycanthropy, werebeast, what, whatever the invading spirit is, it's spiritual warfare. So, I mean, be it a wolf spirit, be it an a demon the spirit of a dead nephilim I mean whatever you want to call it I mean it's a it's a theme that's been around in the church since the onset
0: yep that sounds good well I think that that's probably helpful uh, probably given people a lens to to think about this and then the conversation at the beginning with the uh has given some precedent where the church has talked about this and dealt with some of this type of stuff and you know it's not outside of the realm of our of our uh, kingdom
1: <laughs> i mean for protestants it probably sounds yeah really out there but hey we're for a, the early ancient church we're a very particular kind we of are protestant yep
0: so all right well guys hey well thank you so much for tuning in to this week's bonus edition of the sword and staff uh if you guys got any questions on this topic let us know we would love to answer any questions that you may have uh, feel free to drop them into the comment section or wherever it is that you're listening to this video whether it be on youtube or patreon or or whatever it may be also make sure to leave us a honest five-star review that helps us to be found it helps with things like search engine optimization um so we would really appreciate it if you guys would do that we've been getting more and more and we really thank you guys for that we really appreciate it and uh, also if you want these episodes sooner if you want bonus content and if you want all sorts of exclusive content that we don't release anywhere else you need to become a patron Head on over to www.patreon.com backslash sword and staff order for just $5 a month. You can get the sword and staff uncut. We also have other tiers out there as well where you can get all types of bonus swag. Right, Richie? Right. And so uh, that's out there for you guys who are interested. Also, we should have a website coming up here within the next month. Where we will uh, have a new home that will serve as the hub for Sword and Staff. You'll be able to get all of our videos there in one place, all the podcast, all of our blogs. Yes, we have blogs out there. Yep. We used to. That's actually what we first started off yep. doing, wasn't it, Richie? We started off doing blogs, and uh, so all of that will be coming up very soon. And uh, well, that's about all I got. Unless you've got anything else you want to add, I'm good. All right, well, guys, hey, thank you so much for listening to this <clears throat> week's bonus edition. We'll see y'all next
1: time. See you then. See you. Thank <music> you.